sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on this Thursday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM all across the SportsGrid network. And you can include SportsGrid.com slash watch in that as well to find your favorite destination to consume everything all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. A ton to get to here in our second hour together we'll go around major league baseball of course it's game number two of the western conference finals tonight in the association in the conference final round in the chase for lords stanley's cup is tonight as well back into the stanley cup playoffs game number one of the eastern conference finals between the upstart florida panthers in the Carolina Hurricanes. Pete Jensen of NHL.com joins us here later in hour number two. But we start going around Major League Baseball. For two New York teams, a game that featured, or two games, I should say, that featured extra innings yesterday. It's been an interesting four-game set. Three of the four games now completed in Toronto between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. There's been a ton of speculation about Aaron Judge and are the Yankees cheating? And then Domingo Herman was ejected from the game after a sticky stuff uh, check saw that he had sticky stuff on his hand. Well, for the first time this series, the Blue Jays record a victory in extras, bottom of the 10th, a walk-off homer for the Blue Jays. A 3-0 victory for Toronto yesterday at home. As in the bottom of the 10th, Danny Jansen hits his fourth home run of the year, a three-run bomb. That gives Toronto a 3-0 win. The reason it was scoreless after nine is because, is because both Chris Bassett and Garrett Cole, the two starters last night, were sensational for both of their teams Cole six innings of work did allow seven hits but did not allow a single earned run the same for Bassett seven innings of work only gave up three knocks and still scoreless baseball Aaron Judge had hit three home runs in the first two games of this series and he has been the focus of any of that speculation up in Toronto for Aaron Judge yesterday he did record a hit but not a long ball this time he is 14 to 1 to win the American League MVP he is plus 360 to lead the bigs in homers he was 7 to 1 entering last Wednesday behind Pete Alonzo who hit another home run last night for the New York Mets by the way the pitcher Jay Jackson for the Blue Jays that caused the whole controversy on Monday night between Judge and Toronto did admit yesterday prior to the game getting underway he felt like he was tipping pitches to Aaron Judge so stealing signs and understanding the other team's signs that's not anything that's illegal in Major League Baseball the Yankees just took advantage of it as we look at the American League East odds right now all five teams in this division at least four games above 500 or better of course led by the Tampa Bay Rays the only team in all the bigs that has eclipsed the 30 win mark so far this year the Rays 
an odds-on favorite, minus 180, 32 and 12 straight up, the best record in all of Major League Baseball. A walk-off for New York, the Yankees losing against Tampa Bay, or excuse me, against Toronto up in Canada. It was a walk-off for New York, the Mets at home last night against those Rays. First, we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after, live right here on this Thursday. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. The Mets have been struggling in a mighty, mighty way. Three games below 500 entering yesterday. They were 14-7, and seven, off to a really good start this year on April 21st. Since that point, entering yesterday's game, they had lost 16 of their last 22. It seemed like it was going to be 17 of their last 23 until some heroics from a couple of the rookies for the New York Mets forcing the game into extra innings as Francisco Alvarez down to two outs in the bottom of the ninth hit a three-run bomb to tie it at five then the Mets in extras down again Pete Alonzo hits another long ball after the Rays recorded two runs in the top of the 10th Pete Alonzo walks it off for the New York Mets a three-run homer to give the Mets an eight to seven victory something new york desperately needed because the mets entered this season with a five to one price to win the national league that price has already worked against them by a pretty substantial margin more than doubling it's 12 to one right now for the amazons tied with the fourth best price around the national league alongside the brewers and the phillies the dodgers now the favorites at two to one in front of the atlanta braves atlanta engaged in a pitcher's duel yesterday, at least that was the expectation on paper. It didn't really pan out that way between Spencer Strider and Nathan Avaldi. Avaldi gives up three earned runs. Strider gives up four earned runs. But Atlanta does get the victory 6-5 to five over Texas in Texas against the Rangers. The Atlanta Braves were booked as a minus 148 money line favorite neither pitcher registers a decision yesterday strider this year four and one of all the five and two both pitchers staying under their k prop yesterday it was the lowest amount of strikeouts spencer strider has ushered this year because every other start he has had at least eight in his eight starts prior to yesterday we'll continue to go around mlb up next live right here on the morning after sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Back right here, live on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Time to check in on the daily basis around Major League Baseball. We brought you the recap of yesterday. A shorter slate on this Thursday, as is often the case. An off day for a ton of teams around the bigs, or maybe the final game of a series before they get away for their weekend set. But helping us go around Major League Baseball, as always, it is Craig Mish, live right here on this Thursday on the morning after. Craig, how are you? On this Thursday, the Miami Heat, a victory in game number one. The Florida Panthers start the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. It's good near you in South Beach or around the Southern Florida area at this moment. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a great time to be a fan of South Florida sports for sure. Heat big win last night. We'll see how the Panthers do against Carolina. Marlins have won a couple in a row. Just trying to keep up with all of it. Have to second screen things, third screen things. Uh, fortunately, mm. they did not put the Panthers and Heat up against each other at all. So mm. we're literally been going to be having this back and forth between Heat one night, Panthers one night, Heat one night, Panthers one night. But we'll see. I mean, maybe two, two teams are headed to their finals. We'll, we'll find out soon. That certainly could be the case. Craig, better times at least in St. Louis. After a dismal start to this 2023 Major League Baseball season, the Redbirds have responded. A 3-0 victory yesterday against their divisional foes in the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers, and now St. Louis has won eight of their last 10 games. The Dodgers, like the Cardinals, have also been on a tear. They start a new series against one another today. Adam Wainwright gets the start for St. Louis. Craig, let's start with the Cardinals first. What has St. Louis started to figure out to start this turnaround this season? Yeah, well, they, they've started hitting a little bit more. That's for sure. They're pitching a little bit better. That's for sure. Uh, look, still a long way from being where they want to be, but very clearly Nolan Arenado getting as hot as he has been. I think that's a huge part of their season. And, and look, just because you had a bad April, it really doesn't matter if you have a good May, June, July, August, September. I think Arenado will do that. So still remains to be seen for me how aggressive they're going to be at this point, sort of catching up in the National League Central. This is the beginning of a series, by the way, with the Dodgers. So this will give them some nice competition. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, Adam Wainwright is back. Hasn't looked great. Didn't look great in the minors. Still one of my favorite guys, one of my favorite pitchers. And hopefully he yeah. could turn around. But this is a tough matchup tonight against Urias, obviously. So... Uh, one that I'll probably just watch tonight. I think it's one of the very few night games this evening, I believe. So we'll see what ends up happening in this one. But this will be a great test, I think, for, for the Cardinals to see. And I do think it, the, the current money line has actually moved up a little bit. So I'm curious maybe if something's going on with St. Louis. I think it's up to like minus 150 in some spots. So keep an eye on who's playing for the Cardinals today. Yeah, the Cardinals, a home underdog under the arch today in St. Louis with Rain White, Wainwright excuse me, on the bump. Only six games today in Major League Baseball, two night games, one in Toronto between the Blue Jays and the Yanks, and this one in St. Louis between the Cardinals and the Dodgers, who ended their series against the Minnesota Twins with a victory yesterday, 7-3. to three. The Dodgers now, Craig, have also won seven of their last eight games. They have the best record in the National League, and L.A. once again... The favorites to win the pennant. A 2-1 to one number in front of the Atlanta Braves. Atlanta now a plus 230 price. Craig, where do you put the tiers as you evaluate the pennant odds in the National League? Yeah, it hasn't changed much for me with those two teams that you're going to see. Yeah, there it is, right at the top. The Dodgers 2-1, to one, Braves 2-1. to one. You see the Dodgers have climbed ahead now of the Braves. Boy, the Padres, Ben, they had a team meeting after the game yesterday, basically saying we're tired mm -hmm. of saying the same things. We actually have to act on them. We will see. I've talked about the Phillies still being right there. You know, clearly the Mets, maybe this jump starts the Mets. Who knows? After that win last night, I don't know. But uh, I, I think you could probably stop there. I would actually flip-flop the Diamondbacks and Giants, and I may even put Arizona ahead of the Chicago Cubs, too. I think that they're a better team than those two squads as well. But to win the pennant, again, you got to get hot in October, as we saw last year. San Diego, Philadelphia, those are the two teams playing for it. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think it's going to be either one of those two teams you saw at the top, uh, Dodgers and Braves. The D-backs right now still the third best mark in the National League at 
this moment. Craig, San Diego is now four games below 500. They have lost two straight against the Kansas City Royals, the second worst wow. team in Major League Baseball. It is certainly time for San Diego to start their turnaround. Craig, it's been a very interesting four days in Toronto between the Blue Jays and the Yankees. There was all the controversy on Monday evening with Aaron Judge taking glances into his New York dugout and hitting two home runs. Then Domingo Herman, the starter for New York in the second game of the set on Tuesday, ejected for sticky stuff. Yesterday, the Blue Jays walk it off in 10 innings for their first victory in this series, looking for the split now in the fourth and final game of this set. Toronto, a slight home favorite today against the pinstripes. Craig, how will you remember these four days in Toronto in this series between the Yankees and Blue Jays? Maybe the budding of a, of a better rivalry than Yankees-Red Sox. I, I think people are sort of, I, I know people in New York and Boston still love it. I'm sort of tired of seeing those games for as long as they have. And I, I could use a new rivalry in sports for sure. I thought it was also interesting, Ben, last night, how Domingo Herman used the Max Scherzer playbook with that 10-game uh, suspension, essentially saying, I mean, look, he didn't say this. What I read from it is, I would love to, I would love to challenge the suspension, but since I'm not going to win, I'm not going to challenge it. I love that playbook, how they use that. I, I, I could challenge it and maybe yeah. win, but since it's not going to be fair and I'm not going to win, I'm not going to go ahead and challenge it. Okay, sure, that is the case. Yeah. I, I don't know, Ben. We'll see. The, the scheduling is sort of weird this year, how some of these teams and rivals in the divisions play each other at early in the season. They don't play a lot until the end of the season because of this sort of yeah. unbalanced schedule, I guess, now with playing all these different teams. But I could absolutely see new york and toronto fighting this thing out for the division uh, i've talked about baltimore i still think they will be in it and clearly the rays are at the top right now but we could have I, I don't like boston but i think we could have four teams in the division fighting it out at the end we have five teams right now in the american league east all four games above 500 or better boston currently in the cellar but they're 24 and 20 and right now for the Red Sox Masataka Yoshida is the favorite to be the American League rookie of the year in his first year in the bigs coming over from Japan Craig as you look at the AL rookie of the year odds where do you think the value might be at this point of the season yeah look there's a lot of different factors that go into this and some of it could be especially for some of these players here you just don't know if they're going to be in the big leagues the entire season Taj Bradley is a great example of that. He's pitching today uh, for Tampa Bay, 23 to 1. But the question is, will the Rays have him the entire year? Will they send him down to the minors? Sort of remains to be seen. This reliever Cano for Baltimore has come absolutely out of nowhere. He's going to make the all-star team. He's been the most dominant bullpen guy I think I've seen thus far that I had no idea who he was in the American League as well. So I wouldn't rule him out. But obviously with the way that Yoshida has played thus far, and a popular player playing on a very big team, big media market. I think he certainly has a great shot to win. Uh, won't be a little bit inflated to me, his odds. I just don't think he's going to do enough offensively to win the award. But uh, look, it could be right. Gunnar Henderson, too. Henderson, by the way, was fantastic last year for Baltimore. Ben, he's gotten off to a rough start this year. Orioles also have some other prospects to call up. So, uh, yeah, probably Yoshida's to lose at this point, kind of like Altman's to lose, I think, in the NL. And uh, But we'll see. Look, long way to go. Too early to, for me to jump in on that. 
Craig, you've been all over James Outman for the L.A. Dodgers, and last night he looked really good. Two for four, a homer, his ninth long ball of this year, four ribbies to propel the Dodgers to a 7-3 victory, and because of it, Outman now the solo favorite to win the National League Rookie of the Year. Craig, only about 40 seconds left in this segment. He's just a couple of cents ahead of Corbin Carroll, who has been great for Arizona. Will these two be neck and neck all year long for the NL Rookie of the Year award? I guess so, but if you would have watched this show right before the season, I told you on this show Altman was going to win Rookie of the Year, and there were no yeah. odds posted for him over on FanDuel. Then they showed up at about 40 to 50 to 1. Folks, Altman's winning Rookie of the Year. It's a Dodger. It's Rookie of the Year. It's happened a billion times before. <laughs> Stone up. James Altman's going to win it. No good odds there. Plus Craig, 180, I guess. Certainly wasn't a triple-digit price when you told us first about James Altman. Thank you so much for your time. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's only been three days, but it feels like forever since we last had playoff hockey in our lives. Following Game 7 in Dallas between the Stars and the Kraken over the weekend, we are back here on this Thursday into the conference finals. The Kraken and the Stars might have been on Monday. My apologies, but still, it feels like a long time since we've had Stanley Cup postseason hockey. The conference finals begin tonight out east between the upstart Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes to help us preview everything for the final two rounds of this Stanley Cup postseason. Pete Jensen of NHL.com, the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast, joins us here on this Thursday, live from the NHL offices to get us ready for the conference final round. Pete, thank you so much for being here on this Thursday. And, there, and then there were four, right? This is going to be a really fun conference final. All non-traditional markets uh, around the South, right? The Sun Belt. So it's, uh, we've never seen anything like this before. We've seen a team here or there. Of course, Tampa Bay and Nashville uh, in recent years. But, I mean, this is going to be very unique. Uh, you're going to have uh, the opportunity for some betting spots uh, that and some long shots uh, throughout the course of the next two rounds. So really excited to break it down with you. Hockey Town USA in Las Vegas, in Dallas, and in the Sunshine State of Florida, also in Charlotte, North Carolina. So Pete, quickly as we look back on round number two of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Panthers knocking off the Leafs in only five games. The Hurricanes doing the same in the Eastern Conference against the New Jersey Devils. Dallas holding on in Game 7 against the Kraken in the Golden Knights. Knockout Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers. Pete, of those four series in round number two, which one stood out to you the most? Definitely the Golden Knights. This is a team that has surprised me throughout the course of this postseason. Obviously, Winnipeg in round one was dealing with a couple of major injuries over the course of that series. So maybe you were looking at Vegas and saying, oh, you know, they made quick work of them. But what are they going to do against Edmonton that's really built to win it all this season? And to be frank, it wasn't close at five on five. Edmonton's power play kept them in that series. But very disappointing yeah. for McDavid and Dreisaitl. 
Uh, Evan Bouchard had a great postseason statistically, uh, but the goaltending was really a weak point, which is something that we were worried about heading into the postseason. So that all means that Vegas, with Mark Stone and Jack Eichel thriving on separate lines, can do a lot of damage here in a series against the Dallas Stars, who have their star power, no doubt about it, but Vegas might be a slightly deeper team, and this is a rematch from a couple of postseasons ago, so Vegas is going to be out for blood here. Vegas has been a franchise, Pete, for just six seasons in the National Hockey League. They have made the playoffs five times. They have appeared in the conference finals four of their six years of existence. Las Vegas is certainly a hockey town now. So, Pete, as we look at the Stanley Cup odds for the final four teams remaining, all four teams within a dollar and a half of one another. The Hurricanes have the best price. The Stanley Cup favorites at this moment at plus 200. But, Pete, of the final four teams remaining, which of these sides do you trust the most? The Panthers look like a team of destiny right now. They've been on a mission, but everybody has their concerns about, hey, can Sergei Bobrovsky keep this up? Can they, are they equipped to deal with a team with the defensive structure of the Hurricanes, the possession style? Can this Cinderella story keep going? There are serious questions about that. I am picking Florida to beat Carolina in seven, mm. but if you ask me which team I'm most confident in, I would say that the only team that I picked at the start of the playoffs to get this far and I picked them to make the cup final is the Dallas Stars. I think they need to do a little bit more to get back into the driver's seat in a lot of these series. But every time they've been trailing in a playoff series, Jake Ottinger has been up to the task. He's risen his style of play. They're 5-0 and following a loss this postseason. Who knows how long that can continue. But I feel like Dallas, now that they have Joe Pavelski back, led the entire NHL in the second round in the goals department. That adds another layer to a very seasoned, deep offense and overall outlook. So I think that Dallas is the team that I would have expected to be here. I did expect them to be here, and I feel the most confident in them. Game number one of the Western Conference Finals is tomorrow night in Las Vegas. The Golden Knights, a slight home ice favorite, and the Golden Knights, a favorite in this series at minus 135 to advance to the Cup Finals outright. But Pete told you he's looking at the Dallas Stars. So, Pete, how do you think Dallas matches up with Vegas entering the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, I mean, they played them well in the regular season. I mean, they... They won the season series 3-0, outscored them 7-3. Ottinger was 3-0, had a shutout. Um, the difference, of course, is that Mark Stone is present for this series, whereas during the regular season he was banged up and didn't play for the final couple of months of the regular season. So he was the X factor. He's better than a point per game. Uh, really impressive, the overall ripple effect on him. I mean, you saw it a couple of years ago, like when – a guy returns in the nick of time. Remember it happened with Kucherov with the lightning after he missed the regular season. Like yeah. this was huge. This is a difference maker for the Golden Knights. But to me, I'm looking at this top line of Hintz, Pavelski, Jason Robertson, the best line in the NHL over the past three seasons combined to be able to match whatever is done on the other side for Vegas, which gives them a fighting chance any given shift, any given night. And then you've also seen with Dallas a couple of key depth scorers, not even just Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, uh, who have been there, done that before. Wyatt Johnston, probably the best rookie in the NHL this season. 
uh, and he just knocked off Matty Beneers. Maybe he won't win the Calder, but I think he, you know, gave a little nudge to everybody that he's uh, he might be better than Matty Beneers for Seattle. And then um, I think also for Dallas, the trade deadline acquisition of Max Domi. He's tied for the NHL lead in even strength points right now. Could anybody have seen that coming when they picked him up before the deadline from the Blackhawks? And nobody even really knew where he was going to be playing at that time, but he's been a great fit for Dallas as well. So game number one out west is tomorrow night. Game number one of the Eastern Conference Finals is tonight between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. The Canes right now, Pete, booked as the favorites outright to win this series, minus 145, as we shared. Carolina, the favorites to win the Stanley Cup at this moment at a 2-1 to one number. But, Pete, the Panthers have been the dog all postseason long. They have relished that role. In your estimation, though, Pete Jensen, do you still consider Florida an underdog entering this series? I feel like they're the team to beat right now. So even if they are considered an underdog, nobody's going to take this team lightly, whether it's analysts out there picking the series or if it's, uh, you know, the Hurricanes on the other side of the ice. One big lift for Carolina potentially in this series sounds like Tavo Teravainen, one of their best mm. offensive players from recent years, could return for the series. In fact, they expect him to return if not for game one at some point early on. So that's a really big wrinkle. Of course, Carolina still will not have Svechnikov or Pacioretty for the rest of the playoffs. So this is a new wrinkle for them to get a little bit more out of this roster offensively. But hey, in Tara Vinan's absence, how about the performance from Jordan Martinook? If you're doing props out there or DFS, I mean, there is a real opportunity here uh, to ride the hot hand with this guy, whether Tara Vinan plays or not. Uh, and he's been a middle six player his whole career. But he had 10 points in five games against the Devils, tied with Connor McDavid for the NHL lead in the entire second round. So really remarkable stuff. One of the biggest surprises that I can remember in any single round dating back of the past decade in the NHL, Jordan Martinook. So I think that that just gives the Carolina Hurricanes another dimension if Tara Vinan comes back. But with Florida... Even staring at game one on the road as underdogs, they're 6-1 and one on the road this postseason. Remember, they won all three games in Toronto, and then they won games yeah. five and seven in Boston against the best team in the league. So nobody's going to be taking this team lightly. And Pete, that's going to be a focal point of this series. The Hurricanes have home ice advantage. Carolina had the third best home ice record in the NHL throughout the regular season. And the Canes are 5-1 and one straight up at home throughout this postseason run. Tonight for game number one, Carolina at home hosting Florida. It's a minus 152 number now live in favor on that money line for the Hurricanes. Pete, how important is home ice advantage going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals? It's really important, I think, for Carolina's chances of winning the series to win both games there and put the pressure on the Panthers here because Carolina's been a great home playoff team during the Rod Brindamore era, especially over the past two postseasons combined. And I think they also have a little veteran savvy, like, Sebastian Ajo has played a lot of meaningful playoff games. He's looking to get to the cup final for the first time in his career and still in his prime. You also have Brent Burns, who is grizzled all those years with the San Jose Sharks, 
Um, he has like some of the most games played in a career without winning the Stanley Cup. So he's got that yeah. on his horizon potentially. And then Freddie Anderson, like this guy entered to the mix in game six against the Islanders in the first round, won a big game on the road, has never looked back. I mean, he's got an outstanding save percentage, the best among volume starters among remaining teams in the NHL is Freddie Anderson in his contract year. So all those injury concerns and people knocking him, Freddie Anderson's come to play here. And if he gets a job on, gets the job done on home ice, um, they're going to put the ball in Florida's court or the puck in their court. Yeah. And it's going to be a difficult thing for Florida to win this series if Carolina holds serve. You see there, the star for Carolina, Sebastian Ajo, is the favorite to win the Conn Smythe, the MVP of the Stanley Cup playoffs. A guy not on that screen, Pete Jensen needs you to know about. 21-1, to 1, Jason Robertson for the Dallas Stars. Pete, thank you. More of the morning after. Next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A deep dive around the association here in the conference finals round of the NBA playoffs on this Thursday on the morning after. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on Sirius XM Channel 159 all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That is Sports Grid. This is Zach Parnes here for some playoff picks and some advice as we end out today's show over these two hours on a Thursday on TMA. Parnes, as always, we appreciate your time joining us here on this Thursday on the morning after. Hey, love being here on Spiz Grizz. Uh, had a great time watching the His and the Sizz last night. Uh, nice. What a remarkable performance. Thank you. Uh, in quarter three, right? I mean, just unbelievable stuff. Have we seen domination like that in the postseason against a team that is so deep like the Boston Celtics? Got to tip the hat to Miami a little bit, huh, Ben? Certainly so. A 21-point advantage for Miami, scoring 46 in that third, despite being down by nine points at the halftime break. So, Parnes, ebbs and flows of every playoff basketball game in the association, but ultimately, for the third time in their three playoff series, Miami, as an underdog, goes on the road and steals the opening game of that set. The Heat now have won nine, or they've been booked as an underdog nine times in their 12 playoff games. They've won six of them outright, 123-116, the victory for the Heat last night. So, Pards did game number one against Boston, with Miami involved yesterday as well, go as you expected to open up the Eastern Conference Finals. In one word, no. I mean, when we saw Boston kind of peppering things on in the first half, I think a lot of people were probably like me, taking a look at the box score, watching the actual performance and being like, all right, maybe I can get a couple extra hours of sleep tonight and, you know, just turn this one off. But ultimately, Jimmy Butler, he didn't turn it off. And the entire Heat team in quarter three, I mean, just robust ball movement, understanding that, A, they can hit those shots right out of coming out of the tunnel, but B, also at the same time, knowing that when you look at the numbers, these kind of things favor the Miami Heat. Nine and three overall against the spread this entire postseason. Uh, Miami has been doubted time and time again, but they continually show themselves to be 
a team that is worthy of being in the Eastern Conference Finals. I was always kind of just tilting my head a little sideways trying to get the right perspective on why they were plus 400 to take this series to begin with. Last night, quelled those odds a little bit in terms of heat betters who now are trying to hop on the Miami hot train. Ultimately, though, Miami still got a one-game advantage. And interestingly enough, Ben, the game two line, nine points again in favor of the Celtics. So everybody out there in Vegas land, they seem to think that the Boston Seas are going to rebound in a big way and come back with a dominant, potentially double-digit victory. But Miami, again, they'd love to play spoiler. The root of the underdog is one that Jimmy Butler has favored time and time again. A larger spread in favor for Boston entering game number two than in the opening game of this series. It was eight last night. It will be nine tomorrow on a Friday in Beantown. However, Miami has been great as an underdog. Again, nine times these playoffs, seven and two against the number, six of those seven covers, just an outright victory led by Jimmy Butler, who posted 35 points last night in the opening game of the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston. Parnes, a rather simple question for you that might have a more complicated answer. Is Jimmy Butler the best player in this series in the Eastern Conference Finals? Oh, man. You know, you're, you're going to upset everybody in Boston if you say it's Butler, and you'll upset everybody in Miami if you say it's Tatum. Those two have been next-level performers. I mean, Jason Tatum was a total shell of himself in the 76ers series Game 6, but then comes alive in Game 7, puts together one of the most remarkable postseason performances of all time. So I, I think because of his scoring prowess, you probably have to go with Tatum. But in terms of consistency and the guy that is killing these powerhouse teams year after year there's a reason that people know him as jimmy butler at the postseason savant i mean he has been out there carving up both offensively and defensively some of the best of the best throughout this entire series now i think if butler can get another win at the td garden for his squad in game two that answer probably flips over to jb's side unequivocally boston interestingly enough though kind of fair weather when they're at home here after a loss in the postseason but ultimately four and four at the garden in the postseason right now boston needs that number to come up clearly in a big way here for game two but jason tatum he is going to be the carrier of everything here brown had a great performance in game one but i'm wondering if tatum can step up and put up 40 again and have that sort of scoring prowess that is just going to be too much for jimmy butler in the heat to overcome but yeah game two that'll hold the answer to that question i think ben maybe it's not for parnes nor myself to decipher who's the best player in this series i'll just leave it at this on the game broadcast last night kevin harlan did call jimmy butler jimmy freaking butler he didn't call Jason Tatum, Jason frickin' Tatum. Anyway, as we look at the series odds right now, like Parnes mentioned, the Celtics were a $5.50 favorite, minus 550 to win this Eastern Conference Finals and advance to the NBA Championship for a second consecutive year. Now that number down by more than $3. It's just minus 220, but still, Parnes, the season heavy favorite to win the Eastern Conference title. How did game one in Miami stealing it in Boston change your view of this series overall? Well, I think first and foremost, it, it solidifies that, that Bam Adebayo 
uh, is somebody that we have to have under the microscope as much as we want to talk about Butler and also talk about Jason Tatum and the other stars. I feel like he's kind of gone by the wayside in a lot of this. And his dominance down low and being able to put up a 20-point performance, I think has altered that line than more than people think. But I'm still just shocked that Boston could be such a heavy favorite, even down a game and after losing one at home. Granted, they bounce back extraordinarily well after a loss in this postseason, 4-1, and one, and they win those games by an average of 9.3 points. So that could potentially justify why Vegas has them as such a heavy favorite once again with the spread. But I, I just don't understand how we can look at this Celtics team and not think that they are capable of of putting together another win and making it five and one in terms of the garden. Yes, Miami has played spoiler time and time again, but I, I just don't, I, I feel like the way that the Celtics have evolved this postseason with Joe Mazzullo really stepping in and changing the culture of this team to a point where not only do they look polished offensively, but defensively, they're the best that they've been all year long. Can that continue, though, in this upcoming game? That's the biggest question. But I think Miami taking the series certainly makes it more interesting for each and every better out there who maybe thinks, yeah, I got the Celtics in six here, or I got the Celtics in seven, because now your favor uh, or the money has swung tremendously in your favor. You can throw up a lot more now at that minus 220 clip instead of the minus 550 to make things actually appealing and maybe catch yourself uh, with a quick trip to Cancun to join the rest of the NBA superstars who are out there right now. Parnes, we were all shocked after the Celtics lost game number one to a Joel Embiid-less Philadelphia team in the second round of this NBA postseason. How did Boston respond with JoJo back in the lineup? Even they won by 34 points. It's a nine-point number for game number two tomorrow night in Boston. Because of Miami's upset last night, not just a change in the odds for this series in the Eastern Conference Championship, but also to win the entire thing. The Celtics entered yesterday as an odds-on favorite, minus 105. Boston no longer the favorite. They are five cents behind the Denver Nuggets at plus 140 for the Nugs, the favorites currently to win the NBA championship. It's game number two tonight, Parnes, in Denver between the Nuggets and the Lakers. Denver a five-and-a-half-point favorite after holding on for a six-point victory in the opening game of the Western Conference Finals. Parnes, how do you think game two will look different and in what way from game number one Ooh, um I, I think that nikola Jokic is going to be more contained here in game two i think that it's the first game that we're going to see him maybe potentially struggle i i don't think so right i mean this is a, a two-time mvp struggle is not the right word here but i think that he will be a bit more limited than he was in game one and how could he not be after putting up basically a triple double in the first quarter uh in an insane performance for him but you know it's kind of funny because Jokic plays a little bit kind of like the the tortoise and Obviously, they win the long-term race against the Hares, but at the same time, I think that the rest of the offense around him is supplementing with Hares in terms of Jamal Murray just putting together an electric scoring performance. Michael Porter Jr. really coming into his own defensively, cashing out all the defensive props that were put on him in the second half with steals and blocks aplenty. But I, I think that Jokic is going to move a little bit slower, dare I say, which is hard to imagine because everybody loves to say that this man plays at about two miles an hour. But even then, he's cooking everybody at two miles an hour and doing it in quite uh, an amazing facet. Five and a half points there for Denver. 55% of uh, the public money line 
uh, favoring the Nuggets at this point. I love yeah. them to take a 2-0 series lead. They were extremely strong at home all season long. You know, maybe if you want to factor in that elevation up there in the Mile High City, it whatever you call it, they were 41-7 and during the regular season. And that's a difficult point that the LeBron James Lakers are going to have to do. Anthony Davis, big circle around him once more. He's going to be the key in slowing Nikola Jokic down. In game one, we just saw him getting back down left and right, having the passes go right over his head inside on those slashers and backdoor cutters that Jokic has just found about half of his assists with this season. But something that I'm paying attention to right now also is the fact that the Nuggets sitting pure 500 at the spread, uh, the Lakers 6-4 and four in their last 10 games on the spread as well. So I, this game is all kinds of even, Ben, but if Jokic comes out and starts that slow way that I think the Lakers are going to have their chance to steal game number two on the road. All five starters for Denver in game number one, scoring in double figures. 31 for Jamal Murray, 20 for KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope as well, and 14 dimes for Nikola Jokic. On the other side, we know the duo of Anthony Davis and LeBron James actually scored more points than Jokic and Murray combined. They had 66, Murray and Jokic only 65. So when you look at AD and LeBron Parnes, 66 points combined between these two in the opening game, what do you expect tonight in game number two? Well, those two figures we have up on the screen right now are huge. I mean, look at the equal points for Davis and James. One of these players has been scoring at a far far higher clip and with better efficiency down low, and that's been Anthony Davis. I mean, do I expect him to replicate a 40-point performance? Maybe not so much. But 30? We've seen it from AD pretty much every single game this postseason. So I, I think that the over is certainly a play there for Anthony Davis. LeBron, meanwhile, on the other end, certainly back and forth on that 25 and a half. And I think that that line will serve pretty true to him, maybe end up in that 24 to 26 range. But when we look at the Lakers as a whole, who else can contribute besides Austin Reeves, right? Because he's been the one name that's come out in all of this, but Rui Hachimura putting up 17 in game one. He's going to have to have a similar performance if the Lakers want to be in contention to win this game. I'm eager to see what he's going to be able to do also from a rebounding perspective, considering last game, zero down low for a power forward so if he is able to bounce back and contribute a little bit more on the interior that's going to loosen up some of the numbers for guys like aaron gordon and of course Jokic down low on the rebounding aspect but for me i i love the anthony davis at 25 and a half i think that over is just absolute free money to be made 40 points for 80 in game number one. Zach Parnes, we appreciate your time here on this thursday we round out the morning after up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com we're back here on the morning after just a couple of more minutes on this thursday live on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 all across the sports grid network that now includes the new sports grid app the ultimate sports betting companion app is now here available for download at the apple app 
store. Scan the QR code on your screen right now. There it is. Scan it, download it. All of our information, all of our expertise, it's smarter to be on SportsGrid. Some big news in the world of Grand Slams and major championships. First in tennis and then out to the PGA Tour. Rafael Nadal announced this morning he is going to miss the 2023 French Open played at Roland Garros in Paris in just a few weeks. Of course, Rafael Nadal, the most ever French Open titles on clay, 14 all time in the history of the sport, including last year in 2022. He will be sidelined in 2023 due to injury. And he announced earlier this morning as well that next year, 2024's French Open, most likely his last now to the pga championship in 2023 in rochester at oak hill country club we are underway in the first couple of holes of the opening round following a frost delay to start things off at the pga championship at oak hill and we are just about underway we'll go to the leaders kazuki higa he has the lead right now at four under par all right before we get out of here it's bye 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 So much breaking news to bring you right as we close out a two-minute segment that we only have just a couple of moments to give you a potential best bet for tonight. I'll just say this. Game number one, Western Conference Finals. The total between the Nuggets and the Lakers was set at 222 and a half. Yes, the two teams combined to score 258 points, but now it's up by four? It's 226 and a half for game number two? Seems like a small market overreaction based on a one-game sample size. Under tonight in the Mile High City. That does it for this Thursday on the morning after. We'll be back Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Talk tomorrow.